to the official podcast of the Canberra Raiders. Habili off the Caesar. Now he puts a kick out. Croak is there again. Oh, Jared Croaker! What a catch by the skipper! Come join us as we go Behind the Limelight. Yes, hello and welcome to the official Canberra Raiders podcast. Always a thrill to come off a great win like the boys did. Well, it was on the road, but it was a home game against the Penrith Panthers, 30 points to 12. But, gents, uh, great week of rugby league to come off. First of all, we'll talk about the performance before I ask you about the great junket that you were involved with, Wagga. To me, watching it all unfold with you guys and then seeing his take off and seeing it on the TV, social media, what a tick in the box, what a success. Yeah, it was. Um, 10,079 people there on Saturday afternoon, and uh, we got pretty lucky with the weather. There was a time there early in the week where they thought that the, the rain might have come um, for the game, but uh, unfortunately for us, it held off, and it was just a great afternoon, and uh, considering we haven't taken an away game, a home game out of Canberra since 2003, I think it was a massive success. Um, they were pretty much at capacity there, and uh, I know that the people from the region got a lot out of that game, and um, just walking down the street uh, in the morning of the game and seeing all the Raiders jerseys mm. and even Panthers kit um, getting around town, there was a real buzz about the place. It town. was great. It was really good. Yeah, it was great Great to be down there. Big buzz around the town, like Benny said, and uh, it was just awesome to see so much green even in the crowd on the actual game day, so that was really pleasing to see. Yeah, I think a lot of people in the, in the lead-up and afterwards talk about the importance of the game in those communities and the, and the regional areas. And I think we saw a prime example of that on the weekend. Um, even Ivan Cleary said after the game in the press conference, mm. they take the game, the Bathurst every every week and every year, sorry. And they said that he'd love to see every club take at least one game regionally. Uh, and I think it's a great thing. I think if every club could could mark one on the calendar and whether it needs to be a rule, I reckon. That's right. Yeah. Bring yeah. one in and, and give the opportunity to, to watch some top class footy. Cause you can take trial games out to these areas and, and don't get me wrong. It's a great experience, but yeah. nothing beats that physicality and intensity of an NRL game. Fighting for the two points, yeah, absolutely. Now, you just needed to watch the Matty John show on Thursday night to see that you Tommy two... Tommy carrying on. You two has a great great time there. <laughs> I, don't <laughs> don't know, I don't know why the spotlight's on me. Uh, Look, was, yeah. big thanks to Dave Barnhill, actually, um, who was our Viking ambassador yes. the day, the William Mate, Farrow like Hotel. Play. He was he's in great fit. He's fit. They put us up there. Uh, we had a sponsor function there on the Thursday night, which was great. All the local sponsors getting involved with the game. And, um, yeah, he was a great, great for us down there. Barney looked after us while we were down there for the weekend. And Did you know what was going on there? With that, he knew. With that camera, of course he did. That was that was, that was hilarious. <laughs> all I'll say, all I'll say was, and I'm not going to say anything more on this, but it wasn't my idea. Okay. How much did you shifting have, to the <laughs> shifting the focus back to the footy? Yes, um, what a result! What a result! Was. And it was it was um fantastic to to see the guys um you know put under a little bit of pressure there at times during that game and and respond well mm. and their defence on their own line was just magic. I mean, the the amount of uh, ball that Penrith had uh, inside our 20 metre lines at times was, was staggering and um, I think that, and Ricky identified it after the game as well, the turning point was when Chan's nickel clock stayed, um, was put in the bin for 10 minutes. Yeah. Not only did we hold them out for an extended period, we then went down the other end of the field and scored it's, and that's a massive thing. It's beautiful seeing the modern age for some reason. Teams, uh, when they lose a player, they go up a level and they seem to win that period and, and we scored points. Tommy... There was so much scrutiny in this game, and the Panthers are a team that are just one win of re, you know getting their season back on track. We had Brad Fitley come out and come out and put these halves on notice, who are the current New South Wales incumbents, and these are the guys can win a game on their own. Individual brilliance, blokes like Regan Campbell Gillard. I mean, probably not playing with the most confidence at the moment, but Tamia, they've got individuals in their team to do something. And the fact that we did sustain all that pressure with twelve minute times and to put thirty on them at the end as well. 
quite a you know comprehensive result. Yeah, I I I saw this game and looked at it with a lot more fear than I did with the Broncos one because I, I look at that Penrith team and whilst it's not working for them on the field, you just have to look at the individual quality mm. that you just mentioned before to see that this team could literally be anything. And it's not it's not working for them at the moment, but I think it's a really another big pass mark for us that we can hold out a team like the Panthers when we were down to twelve men when you've got blokes like Maloney and Cleary in the halves and also dangerous wingers like Mansour and Watini Zalesniak that can almost pull out anything out of nothing. So I think that was another really big pass And mark mind for you, us. for us, no Tarpany, we had BJ out, we had... Like, yeah, I mean, that Rappin was a little was bit out. of adversity too. Was Michael Oldfield. Michael Oldfield came in um, some depth uh, there. on the day of the game. I mean, he he's a professional, but so he prepares mm. as if he's going to play, but he didn't find out until about 10 o'clock in the morning that he was actually in. So he was getting up, he was getting up, having his breakfast, and he gets a tap on the shoulder and goes, mate, start thinking about it, you're in. Um, so, you know, obviously no, the first a try. big tick in the box for him um, in his first game of the season. Um, unfortunately, John Bateman's going to be out for six to eight weeks with that fractured eye that socket. It does. It's mm. a massive loss. But uh, on the flip side, Hudson Young got 55 minutes in on the weekend at, um, at Edge Back Row uh, and did a tremendous job, scored his first try in the NRL. So, um, so it's the all, side, Benny, this week? It's all about finding, adverse, uh, finding that adversity. This week, uh, yep. changes, obviously. Uh John Bateman being out, Hudson Young is going to start the game uh, in the back row. Start. He will. So yeah. um, a big boost with Jordan Rapana back in the team this week. He's well, uh, the best healer in the club. He's, re- he's according to Nigel. He's uh, magic in Magic Weekend. He's back in the in the team again. So he, he returns from that rib injury. Um, unfortunately, Joey Lalua is going to miss another week with that that neck issue. Um, so he won't be there. Michael Oldfield will stay in the centres. Uh, and with Hudson moving into the starting team, Bailey Simonson uh, will stay in the 17. He's right. been named on the bench. So uh, I think, you know, if you look at the way that the games have unfolded, uh, the forwards on the bench, usually one of them only gets some minor minutes anyway. Yeah. So giving having Bailey there gives you a bit of cover in the outside backs uh, if something does go wrong, but also a player that you can bring on and you can have a bit of a sniff around the middle and mm. and try and create something. Bit of havoc there. So we move on to round nine of the NRL. Magic round there. Just first of all, you'd probably know this. Who gets the gatekeepings in this game? So Is the it N- mutual? No, so it's an NRL. They'll, they pocket the cash in terms of the, the ticket sales and food mm. and beverage and all that type of stuff. Um, but they get a big grant from the Queensland government to put it on. And they also give home clubs a certain amount of money. Okay. And away clubs get a certain amount of money as well. So if you nominate this as one of your home games, obviously you're forfeiting the opportunity to raise some revenue at your game, so, it's a so you get forfeit, a, isn't it? So you get a it's a Roosters home game. Yeah. So you get the Roosters will get a, a fairly decent sized um, lump yeah. of cash to to take the game to Suncorp. Speaking of cash, the Roosters uh, they've been you know they're the champions. This is the <laughs> best segue. This is the benchmark, isn't it? The Roosters. Everyone asks me personally on the street, what's the biggest game you're looking forward to? And I think it's this one because this is where we get to test ourselves. Mm-hmm. We played Melbourne in round two, a little bit probably early, let's just say. But now we've, it's been a good month of football. We've got run into our legs. We've got some form. Unfortunately, we're not going to be you know 100%, which is that that's the disappointment to the spectacle, but this is the yardstick, isn't it? We face the two informed competitions uh, back-to-back yeah. in the next two it's weeks. An so course. The Roosters up there at Suncorp, followed by the Rabbitohs here at GIA the week after. So there's no doubt that this is a real massive fortnight for us. Mm. Um, as you said, we've, um, we've copped a couple of injuries, which is not ideal, but um, we go up there and we get to face um, the reigning premiers, the competition leaders, a team that's blowing everybody away. Um, we saw what Latrell Mitchell did mm. um, on that in their game on the weekend. He was just at another level. Um, they got halves in. Uh, Luke Keary, Cooper Cronk, 
you know, world-class players, uh, forward pack led by Tedesco, Hargraves, Tedesco, Boy Corder. You can pretty much name their whole starting 13 as, as danger men. you've got so, blokes like Orbison that just creates that's havoc. Do, you know? do a job off the bench. Match uh, winner. Takiyaho has been probably their best forward this season and he's not the profile that the other guys are. Mm. So, look, massive test. Um, probably good for us that we play it up there in Magic Round because let's hope, and I, I think it will be, I think the majority of the fans there that aren't, Roosters or Raiders fans will be on our side. Well, the Raiders have a big uh, fan base up, you know, popular fan base up north because of the, you know, Meninga Belcher days, as you guys would know. So I think it's a great spectacle. This will be a big test for them because this will really determine where their premiership credentials are at. It, let's see how they handle the the spotlight, I guess, and hopefully we can sort of slide under the, well, fly under the radar, I should say, and maybe you know cause a bit of an upset. Rugby league's a funny game, and we saw an understrength Sharks team beat the Melbourne Storm. A few weeks or last week, yep. and the storm have probably been, been not bit, at their best the last yeah, couple of weeks. Where the roosters are flying, yeah. I mean they are mm. just getting better and better every week. All right, it's time for this. Our behind the limelight bowl predictions, crystal ball. We we'll start with Benny Pollock. We got zero from three last week, so yeah. we need to pick our game up. Big this donor. Week. I'm going for uh, Josh Papali. He's going to have a big game this weekend. Obviously, with no. John Bateman there. Pup is going to step up. He's going to run for over 220 metres this weekend and charges forward. I think he's up for a big game. TL, mate, what about yourself? Yeah, look, I'm going to go with the Mr. Professional here, Mr. Michael Oldfield. I reckon he's going to uh, continue his one from one so far and make it two from two. He's got a pretty good strike rate for us, he does. Oldie, actually, the, in the games that he's played. I, I, I don't know what is on top of my head, I, but it's I, very good. I think it would almost be at 100%. He'd be close. He'd be, be very, very close. close. Bailey yeah. Simonson's also a... 100% winner at NRL level too. So For me, I think Charles Nickel Clockstad, he's been looking like he can... He's just waiting for that breakaway, tearaway try from about 60 metres out. It nearly happened last week, but we got called back and penalised. So That's question mark how about, about that. How about a 60-metre break and he's going to step past Tedesco? <laughs> I think there's going to be a long-distance break where he's going to be in some open pasture and he's going to break away and score. Okay. I a like try, it. but through some, through some good ball. I'd like to see it. Can't wait for this one. Oh, it's a big one. And coach and many other things, Mr. Brett White. G'day, Brett. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on, mate. It's uh, been a, a pretty impressive start to the season. There's no doubt about that. The team's six and two, but uh, without getting too carried away, you guys must be relatively happy with the way things are going so far. Yeah, it's been good. A really good start to the uh, start of the year. It's um, you know, come off a lot of hard work of the, through the preseason, and uh, it's great to see you know, the boys getting some real uh, real rewards for their their hard work that they put in. We've seen that there's been a number of changes to the, the playing roster, obviously, a few guys coming in um, that weren't there and a, and a few different changes um, to the side. But in terms of the coaching staff as well, you've been joined by Andrew McFadden as an assistant coach and you guys were tasked uh, with the um, with the with the job of, of trying to get things right in defence and so far uh, the systems that you've brought in place seem to be uh, going along quite well. Yeah, look, we're not, not going to get ahead of ourselves. There's still a, uh, a long long season to go. But One week at a time, eh? Yeah, One week at a time. The old cliches, you know. <laughs> you know always going to go back to the cliches. But um, no, nah, the, the the whole environment, the whole staff environment's just totally changed this year. It's, um, yeah, we just had a, a small thing this morning amongst the staff, a little competitive uh, minute-to-win-it style competition in, in, uh, in amongst the staff. So... Thing, little things like that that have um, yeah that have come in and and um, you know, just change the environment and it's you know, you, 
You, when you really enjoy what you're doing, you um, you perform a lot better, and, and I think that's been the the real big key. Um, you know, in behind the scenes is that that enjoyment, that that love, that uh, that desire to come to work every day and perform and and um, try and do your best, your the best of your ability, and and I think that really rubs off on the the playing group. Whitey, there's no mystery that the Melbourne Storm are being one of the bench runners and creating the wrestle, that kind of whole ruck stuff that's been changed the evolution of rugby league. You played at Melbourne Storm. How much from your playing career do you bring into your coaching career now? Cappy mentioned a few weeks ago that when he was a schoolboy, he played at every position in the park. He was a utility. He brings that to the modern age, modern age, preparing a young kid that might have to play out of position. What do you bring from your playing career, especially your time under Belliac at Melbourne? Yeah, mate, you, you're probably right there. Um, yeah, oh. I wasn't the most skillful player. I wasn't anything, but I, I did build a, a game off defence, and, and um, especially the wrestle the early days at Melbourne. Um, I worked really hard in that area, and that was something I, I, I spent a lot of time doing. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it's as big uh, these days as, as people make it out to be. Every every club's got a wrestle coach. Every every club's got the, the latest um, you know, um, structures or whatever. It's um, so it's, it's not as big as it, it has been in the past. But uh, as in saying that, it's just as important. It's it's mm. one of those things that yeah, just like fitness or, or uh, how much time do they spend on it? Uh, depending, obviously, a lot through the preseason. Um, yeah, there'd be a couple of um, hour long sessions a week. Um, it, it's hard once you get into the season. Is it case by case with a team as well, without giving too much away? Yeah, definitely case by case, and probably individual players as well. Um, just making sure everyone's up to. Where they need to be, it's you know like the the wrestles are a whole new uh, fitness really. Like mm. you got your running fitness, your wrestling fitness is um, is something different in itself. And I think that's the that's the um, the the thing that everyone's found out that to be wrestle fit is just as important to be uh, running fit. Mm. Mm. The one of the things that always fascinates me, Whitey, is um, you know obviously you guys um, and you're the next generation of coaches coming through. You've you know only recently retired and. Um, you're you're coming into a coaching at a time where there's so much information available for you guys. You know, it's GPS tracking, it's stats, um, it's video analysis, it's everything that goes into you know, coaching a footy team. It, um, I know that Ricky is a big believer on um, gut feel, and and when he's coaching, how do you find it? Is it is it can you look at stuff too much, or do you do you like to have a mix of that and and what you're feeling inside? I think it's I think it's balance for everything. Um, you know, making sure you're balanced in. in the way you do things, and um, yeah, you're right. With there's so much, so much information out there, and and you got to remember, every team has GPS units. Every team has a wrestle coach. Every team has you know, certain plays. It's um, yeah. So there's a whole whole other area there. I think in the in the um, psychology part of it, and I'll um, yeah, I'll go back to the the environment that you create. That's um, that's a real key key to it, I, I believe, um, and I think that's a whole whole other area we're just starting to get, um, starting to touch into as a sport. Um, yeah, we've got to be careful that way because we can get, I just got off the phone out of chat to Glenn Lazarus per se, and he looks at the modern era and he thinks we just overcomplicate things. Back in the day, they, I mean, they played, they trained two times a week, but even to the, to the point where I know at Melbourne they've been a little bit critical on how much football is played, but you look at someone like, for example, Lazo, Time framing is, you know, the 91 grand final with the Raiders and he goes to Brisbane and plays the Sevens and then plays the Tui's Challenge, plays the Winfield Cup, three Origins, three Test matches, final series, grand final, World Club Challenge against Wigan, Kangaroo Tour, and then begging Wayne Bennett to play Sevens. 
you know, in January. Are we ever complicating things today? You, you coming from, a, you know, you played in the last decade or so, seeing this new age of, you know, new age of kids. Yeah, I think it goes back to that balancing. As, as Yeah, you can do, do too much. There can be too many stats at times. There can be too much um, any, anything at, time, at times and, and having that balance. And, you know, one of the great things about working with Ricky is he really has a good feel on things. Um, you know, he has a good gut feel. You talk about gut feel. He's an expert in you know, feeling how the players are feeling. Are they tired? Are they fatigued? Are they overconfident? Are they? Do they need a boost? Um, yeah, and I think that comes with experience, and that's one of the big things working with Ricky that um, over the last couple of years that I've, I've found that um, you know, really trying to tune into what he's feeling and, and, and seeing you know that knowing that when he's feeling that the, you know, they they need a bit of time off or they they need a bit of extra hard work that. Yeah, you know, how important that 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 is when he feels that bit of male intuition there. That's right. What do you think that? What do you think the biggest change is between where we were at like this time last year is where we are now? Obviously, um, without going into too many of the the nitty gritty details, do you, what do you think's changed? What's been the, the the one thing that you can sort of put your finger on and say, well, this is a, a lot different than where we were last year? Oh, mate, there wouldn't be there wouldn't be one thing. Um, yeah, you know, to sort of touch on some things, I'll, I'll go back to the environment. Um, and that, that's also the, the, the players' environment, the, the change in players that, you know, some of the guys we brought in as, as the other thing that, you know, you look at guys like John Bateman and Ryan Sutton and these guys that have, that have come in and they're just they're, they're wonderful footballers. They're, they're just those guys that want to go out there and compete, um, you know, I say week in, week out, but day in, day out with, you know, things like your wrestle sessions, with things like your running, um, those little things that when you get competitive week in, week out, it, it just it grows, it's contagious and it, and it runs into your football games on the weekend. Well, I haven't spoken to you on the podcast in regards to the legends aspect of it all, so I might just ask you now, what, what does it mean to you? What did it mean to you when you came to the club after what happened at Melbourne there to, to wear the Raiders jersey? I know you were a fan when you were a kid growing up, being a Cooma boy and all. What does the Raiders mean to you now and what did it mean to you then as a player and to now? Oh mate, I, I, like you said, I, I grew up down the road and, and um, grew up in in Raiders jumpers as a kid. I've got many of my uh, childhood photos are with a Raiders jumper on. So being able to come back to you know, my area, um, my region, being able to do you know, something I love of football, it's just such a um, a special thing. And yeah, you know, I, I still love love coming into work every day and. Um, yeah, being involved in that, in that, you know, the, the childhood um, football team that you, you grew up loving and, and now able to be a part of is, uh, you know, it's something special. It is the best thing ever. We're going for the team that you, that you grew up with and playing. And Nick, you're involved with the club in this capacity and mm. some stuff on calling footy. It's, there's nothing it's, better. It's the best. It's not work. It's, it's fun. Anyway, Whitey, thanks very much don't, for don't talking to us, mate. That, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know Don's not listening. Uh, thanks, Whitey, for coming in and chatting to us. It's always good to get an insight and uh, good luck for the rest of the season. Yeah, thanks, guys. Good luck, Whitey. Celebrating the 30th anniversary of the Green Machine's epic 1989 Grand Final victory. This week we chat to a man who made the most out of his rugby league career, playing 20 Origins for New South Wales, 20 Tests for Australia, plus five Grand Finals with three separate clubs, including the first ever Grand Final, the Mighty Canberra Raiders. This week we go back in time to 89 with the guy they call the Brick with Eyes, Raider number 90, Glenn Lazarus. Come in, Glenn Lazarus. Hey, how are you, buddy? Mate, I'm great. Uh, Lazo, first of all, congratulations. I know you weren't down here, but congrats. 
on being inducted in the inaugural Canberra Raiders Hall of Fame. Must yeah, be a good feeling. Yeah, it's a great honour, mate. You know, um, I have nothing but very fond memories of my time, um, in, you know, playing for the Raiders, and, and that era was very special to me and a lot and a lot of people. You know, I spent quite a bit of time here in Canberra, and and people are always wanting to talk to me about the good old days, and um, you know, I, uh, I I accommodate them. Eighty nine was kind of like the making of you. The grand final breakfast, the MC at the time, and he calls out Mal Meninga and Gary Belcher and says, oh, yeah, and the rest of the Canberra Raiders, you mm-hmm. guys were unknown. You were just kind of coming through, tapping on the door. But after 89, yourself, Laurie, Ricky, you know, all the boxhead, you all became rock stars, not just in Canberra, but in the New South Wales Rugby League. You became known after 89. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the things that I think um, really, uh, you know, is is a great thing for that team is that a lot of them, you know, a lot of us were local blokes, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a, some Queensland guys come down, but, um, you know, Ricky and I and Bradley Clyde, Chrissy O'Sullivan, you know, these guys all locals and uh, Paul Martin was a local guy. So it was just, uh, um, you know, a wonderful, wonderful thing for the community and for, for the city of Canberra. And 89 was sort of, a few of us got a taste of, uh, rep football, but 1990 uh, mm. was the explosion. What was it like for yourself? You know, you're having dinner with your family, you see, you see a headline or you see the newspaper headline saying the Raiders don't have the forward pack to win it. What what did that trigger in yourself? Obviously, the whole pack, you guys came out there and bashed the Tigers, you know, up against a block of Roach, a Paul Siren and a Wayne Pierce International pack there. And they were the a previous grand finalists, unlucky not to win that comp in 88. Yeah, look, it's it's interesting because a lot of the people that doubted us had probably never put a boot on in their lives. Mm. You know, they're um, they're, you know, they're journalists. They got to write a story, and you know, they they watch footy all the time and 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 create opinions and armchair and experts. Right. Yeah, that's the grand final morning. I uh, was rooming with Toddy, Brent Todd, and mm. uh, the papers. You know, were left at the door, and of course, when we. You know, they tell you not to read newspapers, but it's pretty hard, you know, when yeah. you're in your first ever grand final. So we were reading the papers, and all we read was how that forward pack was going to run over the top of us, you know. So that, in a roundabout way, gave us even more motivation. Gave you plenty That's of right. juice. And, and, and the other thing that they didn't uh, take into consideration was, you know, we, we, for the past month leading up to that grand final, had been playing pretty much uh, sudden death footy. Um, you know, I, I thank all those journos now for uh, giving, <laughs> particularly myself and Toddy, and I'm sure the other guys would have read them too. All these comments about how how we were going to get, um, you know, how we were going to, uh, uh, you know, struggle against this star-studded Balmain pack, but uh, I didn't think it worked out that way. I think uh, we at least held our own in that day, if not got over the top of them. Lazo, you were a kid that grew up through Queanbeyan. I remember you saying you're there at Seaford yeah. Oval watching the Blues go around and you would have seen yeah. the incarnation of the first Canberra Raiders team come through. You were mm-hmm. going to Seaford Oval to watch the Raiders and it became more of a let's go to Seaford Oval to watch Parramatta and see who the visitors are, the Roosters or Wests, and you, mm-hmm. you would have seen through all that. What was it like for yourself to, to be part of that Canberra Raiders team in the late 80s to bring home the first flag the first team to win outside the Sydney Metropolitan, and to have all those vivid memories of the you know the first wave of Raiders coming through the building stage, mm. through Donny Ferner, through Wayne Bennett, 
and then now at, at you know the ear of Tim Sheens to bring that first flag back at home. When you put your bag down that night and all the fog and all the party cleared and it was just you and your own thoughts, what was Glenn Lazarus thinking of his achievement there of being part of that inaugural Canberra Raiders premiership winning team? Well, as a Queenian boy, uh, as a Queenian boy, uh, uh, you know, growing up through the seventies and eighties, I was a, an absolute staunch Parramatta fan, and and I can remember watching them being beaten by Manly um, in the seventies, and Parramatta not being able to win a grand final, and and all this, and then all of a sudden in the eighties, they they were able to win three in a row, and and couldn't watch any of them live. I I went for a walk or whatever uh, while the game was on and then, you know, I'd come back and find out whether they'd won or lost and then I could, you know, I was able to watch it sort of thing. I was mm. so nervous and so forth. But when the Raiders came in, in a, in a I basically, you know, I, I can distinctly remember having more interest in the Raiders than Parramatta. Like, I had, you know, Parramatta posters all over my walls. Bed and sheets. Sort of thing in, in the bedrooms <laughs> and all that. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden this, this team came along that was, you know, our very own side. You just wanted to support them. So, you know, I'd walk over the uh, Queanbeyan Bridge and up over to Seaford Oval and watch every game. And I was there when they won their first game against Newtown and, mm. uh, you know, watch David Grant pretend to be Superman and dive, you know, vertically <laughs> through the defensive line and bust over for a try and, and to win their first game. Um, and, you know, and then... Things like just playing on Seaford Oval. I mean, it was the holy grail. When I was a kid, you know, I, I've just been going through some uh, old stuff recently and I found a little autograph book that um, League Weekend, the MCO Cup, brought out. It had 100 pictures of, uh, uh, you know, of, of, of players. And, you know, there's I got Bob Fulton's signature. You know, he ended up mm. being my Australian coach. And, uh, you know... I've got Russell Fairfax and Ian Schubert and I've got the touring grade written side that played against Monaro at Seaford Oval mm. on a Wednesday night and all this sort of thing. You know, so Seaford Oval was a big part of my childhood, an absolute massive part of my childhood because I spent a lot of time over there. I used to go with mum who'd leave the car uh, at the ground uh, for grand final day and, and we'd come back in dad's car and then we'd have mum's car there to sit in and watch the yeah, you know, the Blues win the grand final mm. or whatever. Um, and then, you know, to, to get an opportunity to, to play, uh, you know, play for the Raiders, um, it was sort of a bit of a whirlwind for me, uh, you know, playing lower grades and then slowly getting an opportunity to play first grade. But, um, you know, my run-on debut was at Seaford Oval against South Sydney uh, back in uh, 1988. I played a bit off the bench in 87, but 88, Sheens' his first year, I uh, I uh, debuted in my first run-on game there, and you know that was a magnificent time for me. But uh, I, I guess when I won the grand final, um, I, I, I yeah, it was very hard to sort of contemplate what what I'd done. But you know, I, I do remember thinking, well, you know. I've I've just achieved something that the likes of Peter Sterling and Mick Cronin and Ray Price and all these guys had done Mm. earlier on in the decade. And uh, and for me, like, mate, you know, to this day, I'm nearly 54 years of age. I've got no idea what I wanted to be in regard to a job or a trade or anything. I've never known anything to do. 
Queanbeyan kid that just loved footy, loved footy, would lay on the on the lounge room floor and draw uh, football jerseys and 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 just besotted besotted with rugby league. Couldn't get enough of it as a kid. To be able to then you know lift that trophy and and say that I've won a you know a competition. Uh, you know, it's just unbelievable. And I, I get goosebumps thinking about it, to be honest with you, mate. I can still remember, you know, landing at the Canberra airport and, uh, you know, all the fire, fireys have got their hoses going and there's people everywhere. And, yeah, it was it was a great, great, great uh, time. It was a great achievement for the club. Um, and, you know, personally, um, you know, it was it was something very special. Is there something that you take out of that game that you apply to life today? I mean, you've had a really celebrated career, post-career as well in your football, you got into yeah. politics and whatnot. Yeah, is, this, yeah. is there a component or an ethos that you could take out of the 89 game that you apply to your life today? Well, you know, um, I got to the Raiders um, uh, on based on my ability in more, more respects than anything else. But once I got to the Raiders, you know, I needed to do things to go to the next level. And people like Kelvin Giles and um, Sean McRae that came to the mm. club were very good for me because, you know, they were there. Because I, I, I just, and it was just the nature of the beast, I had to do, I had to be, you know, to do a lot of work to be fit. I had to do a lot of work, you know, um, to be uh, ready and able to go out and get bashed and be, you know, bash people and be bashed. And, mm. you know, it's the life of a front rower. So my little ethos has been since, you know, my Raiders days and still applies today. And I see it being, um, you know, in action. I see it in action all the time. And that is no matter what you want in life, you know, and this is sport, work, whatever, is always going to be determined by what you're prepared to put into it. You cannot sit back and expect things to happen. Now, you know, when I was at the Broncos, for instance, every year, every year there was a kid that came who was the next Wally Lewis. The next, this guy's the next Wally Lewis. He's the most talented guy I've ever seen. He, he definitely, but he, he never made it. They never made it because they weren't prepared to work hard and put uh, a lot of effort in. Um, they just expected it. You know, they got to the to the Broncos or to the Raiders uh, with their ability on the footy field, but of course, to go to the next level, to go to the NRL and become, you know, successful in the NRL, there's a lot of hard work that needs to be done. And unfortunately, a lot of a lot of men and women just aren't prepared to do that. And and I was very lucky and privileged to be, as I've said, around winners and people that. Uh, want to be successful, um, and that was the thing that I realised at a very uh, early period in my career was that I'm going to have to work damn hard to uh, you know achieve anything. And and you know whether five grand final wins, five grand final win out of six, twenty tests, twenty Origin games, whether that's the reward for that that effort, well I'll let everyone else judge. But I seem to think that that was a pretty good. Uh, Reward and uh, for the effort that I that I put in, so I didn't sit back uh, and just expect anything. I uh, worked out hard to it. So that's the ethos for me, mate. You do not 
just sit back and wait for it. You've got to go and get it and work hard for it. Work hard for it. So whenever you get out of something, we'll always be determined how what you're prepared to put into it. And and I, st- I, I stand by that today, and I see it uh, unfolding every day, every year, where people have the ability or, you know, they have the now, but they don't, they're not prepared to work hard. They don't become successful in whatever they're trying to achieve. Well, Lazo, I think about to jump out of this room now and go and face the world now after that speech. <laughs> thanks for, thanks for, very much for joining us on Back in Time to 89 on the Behind the Limelight podcast. No problems at all, mate. My pleasure. 